motorcycle industry. Welcome to the seventh episode of Center Stand, the motorcycle industry podcast produced and powered by the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows. You might know it as IMS. And on this episode of Center Stand, we are specifically discussing how at IMS shows, it's all about bringing riders together. Our hashtag is even hashtag riders unite, in case you didn't know that. And our two guests both work their asses off just so they can share the love of riding with, you guessed it, even more riders. Now, you will notice both of these guests' businesses have the word ride prominently in the name of the business, right? They certainly both celebrate ridership. In this episode of Center Stand, we discuss the sheer entertainment joy of riding and how to get more people riding. Our guest today are Kelly Yazdi, owner and event visionary with Ride Wild Collective, and Brian Carroll, director of the awesome film, Why We Ride, and the related motivational charity events. I could not be more fired up to welcome the two of you to the podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me as well, and I'm really, really excited about today's episode. Okay, Brian, you and I are both defined by amazing women in our lives, right? So without a doubt, you will understand ladies first. Kelly Yazdik, you are the founder of the Ride Wild Collective, previously known as the Wild Gypsy Tour. Give us a brief kind of rearview mirror snapshot into your riding life and what uh, Ride Wild Collective is all about. Sure thing. Um... Well, I guess my background in power sports originates from my upbringing in rural Minnesota. Um, I grew up riding anything that would take me faster than my two feet, pretty much. And um, with Polaris in my backyard, you know, action sports like snowmobiling, off-roading were pretty core to my upbringing. And um, I got my motorcycle license when I turned 18, landed in Southern California and had the opportunity to really combine some of my passions of, you know, film and stunt work with motorcycling. And, um, you know, as soon as I figured out, you could actually have a job in the world of motorcycles. I was like, well, that's pretty neat. And uh, I ended up finding my way to um, working with Arai Helmet originally. And that was like my first job in the industry. And that sort of you know, led the path to working on the initiative with Bonnier Motorcycle Corporation, which was called Moto Intro. Um, and that was uh, pretty heavily involved in the avenue of new ridership. And it was really at that point in my career where I realized my passion was in the realm of community gatherings and bringing people together through the avenue of power sports. Um, fast forwarding, I was actually asked to participate in uh, building a women's initiative for women riders at Sturgis, aka Wild Gypsy Tour. And um, originally there was a team of us women who had gotten approached about this, but, um, you know, as certain things go in the industry, as you guys know, people went in different directions. And I, what I like to say, gave birth to Wild Gypsy Tour, and we've now been hosting our women's motorcycle festival at the Sturgis Festival Ship for about four years now. And um, over the course of those years, you know, we've expanded, we've grown to host about a dozen small scale events in addition to our big Sturgis Festival. And we've partnered with some pretty well-known events like the Handbuilt Show and the Moto Classic events to establish women's specific platforms. And, you know, this year, you know, we're going into our fifth year and 
our team decided it was really time to make some changes. And as we've grown, we've come to realize that our original name has some limitations. And in addition to that, we really wanted to the platform to be more inclusive to all women all over the planet. And changing the name was the result of that. It was it was purely because of growth. And so Wild Gypsy Tour is now officially Ride Wild Collective, aka Ride Wild. Different name, same purpose, which is all about leveraging the spirit of power sports to develop community and empower women riders. There you go. So last week we had a great conversation um, with Portia Taylor and Jamie Dempsey um, about the growth of female ridership. And you are also at the center of this movement to increase fe- increase female ridership. Um, talk to us a little bit about the challenges you've seen with engaging female riders and some of the solutions that you and your team have sort of come up with in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um. First of all, that episode with you and Jamie and my girl Portia was fantastic. Anyone listening to this should definitely go back and listen to episode six. It was really, really great. Um, but in, your free, in regards to your question, uh, some of the challenges I've seen with engaging female riders, I'd say it all really stems from what I like to call the pink attitude. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what I mean by that is like, you know, women who ride motorcycles or power sports for any of that matter, you know, they're a certain breed of women. They're freedom seekers, passionate believers, and just really genuine people. These are not women of one mold or one color. They're multicultural. They come from different backgrounds and they're all different body types. And I think where the challenge comes in in regards to engaging with female riders really stems from that pink attitude, which is sort of, you know, the industry's inability to see for who they truly are, but in Mm. rather getting them into a certain mold or category of what they should be. And, um, you know, you see this from gear that's been made to, you know, certain dealerships, not necessarily being as friendly to the women folk, um, you know, to events, not being as female forward. And, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, keeping, putting women into this pink category seems to fail pretty much every time. So, um, I think it's time to drop that pink attitude and you know there's there's as for solutions i want to say that there's first and foremost there are a lot of folks and a lot of companies in the industry that are really catching on and approaching women authentically and um you know i think polaris is a really good example of that you know they just came out with this um empower sports council which is um you know, centered on women in power sports and they've got this amazing stellar team of you know, great women from snowmobilers to and Porsche from Black Girls Ride is also on that team. And, um, you know, you re- this is just a really great example of an entity that's come forth and, you know, they've dropped that pink attitude and you're seeing them be a lot more inclusive and they're growing because of that. It's really an awesome thing to watch. That is that. I mean, that that's a, a really great. Uh, I forget the name of that. What's that group called? The group of women. What does what Polaris call them? Uh, Polaris calls them the Empower Sports Council, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Empower Sports yeah. Council. What a, what a great name. And our friend Joey is uh, is helping lead that initiative. We love her. And um mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're doing something great. And then if you if you guys miss that and and uh, embedded within Kelly's last answer was that if you call the ladies who walk into your motorcycle dealerships women folk 
you really need to be paying attention to this conversation because you are behind the times. So a man who is definitely not behind the times is our buddy uh, Brian. He's a film director. He's not used to be told, used to being told to like hold his horses. Maybe he is. <laughs> Maybe he is. All I know is that this man does not need a bullhorn to talk to a crowd of people. Uh, Brian, give us a little bit of a, um, a look into your background in the film industry and as a writer, because you can't you came into um, sort of power sports world from a completely different place, right? Yeah, I did. You know, um, we grew up, I grew up in Bountiful, Utah, and then moved to California when I was, I think, 13, 14. And we always grew up with, we had, you know, a little Bonanza mini bike. Um, every truck in our neighborhood had a trailer, I mean, had a, a camper and a little 1270 strapped on the front of it. So we were always around motorcycles. We always rode motorcycles, but we never like figured, you know, consider us being motorcyclists. It was, it was the same as having a fishing pole. You know, you just kind of, we, they were always around. Um, and then when I moved to California, um, California was kind of cool because you could get your moped license when you were like 14 and a half. You got your motorcycle license at 15. So you actually got to ride a motorcycle before you got to ride, um, you know, drive a car at 16. And we moved to a place called Norway Park. And the backdrop is these amazing canyons. And cool thing about California and Southern California canyons is it's like having a MotoGP track in your backyard. So you're riding some of the greatest canyons, some of the greatest twisties and turns from when you're 15 years old on a little MB5 moped or whatever that is. So it was, the passion was always there, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm a motorcycle. It's just, well, you rode motorcycles. All our buddies rode motorcycles. Everybody just kind of had it because we were lucky enough to be in places where that was just the norm. Um, and we were lucky to have, if our father wasn't around or didn't have time, we had friends who had dads that could show us how to ride motorcycles or incorporate with it. So, and we had lots of open land, you know, California was booming. So you could just ride, you know, there's levels were going everywhere. So it was, it was right place, right time, I think had a lot to do with it. Um, and then being in California, my, uh, I, when I was 10, I saw Star Wars, always thought that'd be really cool to get in that business and make up stuff and have people pay you to make up stuff, not get in trouble for that. So when I came to California, my, um, when my mom moved us down here, my stepdad actually was an editor in the business and he helped me get a driver's job and then kind of helped me get in a little bit. And I just fell in love with storytelling that I, everything about it, uh, there's, being probably a, a kid growing up very much as a daydreamer and uh, always kind of, you know, living in my own head and being very aloof at times, um, the possibility to tell stories. And as I got into this business, I found out there's just thousands of jobs. All we hear about is maybe the producer, the director, the actor. And no, it's like the biggest, largest family of people that come together to tell these stories. And it was really it was the family of the movie business more than the act of storytelling. It was the uh, all these different people with all these different talents that came together. And that really related to motorcycling too, because that really was what kept me around motorcycling was that group of new people you're always meeting in that family. And that was kind of the hub. So as we kind of go, you know, as throughout my career, I've been very fortunate, worked on many great movies, started as editing and moved up and uh, I've been a producer, I've been a director, I've been, I mean, a music editor. I've uh, had a lot of just, I love the art of making movies. I love everything about it. And I've wanted to do every job and I probably have almost done every job in this business. It's just something I, it's, 
It's like when you get a new motorcycle, the first thing you want to do is take the thing entirely apart so you can learn every little thing about it. That's kind right. of the same thing with movies with me. Um, and, you know, I had, uh, I've always loved the power of cinema. Um, cinema um, kind of, like as a kid, I remember with history listening to something like, you know, uh, like Eisenhower's voice or Churchill and the power that they had over radio and the way that they could do. And there was a power in cinema that I loved. Um, you know, during World War II, some of the biggest directors in Hollywood, Houston, John Ford, joined the military to go and make cinema to help our, some was propaganda, but also was to help train our soldiers because they found all these kids, 18, 19 years old, they would give them books. It wasn't preparing them for war. They would, you know, try to talk them, do things. But they actually started a thing called Why We Fight. And it was this like, here's how we can help them to kind of get an idea. They just grew up in America. They have no idea what's going on, what they're about to hit. And there was this power of cinema. And uh, in my generation, you know, like in 1986, when Top Gun came out, that following Monday, just in the U.S. Navy, right, the applications for their aviation program surged by 500 percent. Right. Mm -hmm. Just from one weekend of Top Gun. Another big one I'll never forget is um, 1990. Harley Davidson comes out with a fat boy. Right. 1991. We see Arnold Schwarzenegger and T2 writing a fat boy. Right. And then in one decade, Harley sells went from 60,000 to 200,000 in nine years. Right. Now, how much of that was? I'll tell you this. I was, you know, what? I was 22 years old and I wanted a fat boy, a bike I never even knew existed. You know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I loved both the good and the bad, the power of cinema, and it always helped with my why. And that was kind of like, it just, anything that has a motor, or as we like to say now, anything that that carves and tells a story, that's a perfect scenario for me. So why we fight became why we ride in a way, right? That was a that was an inspiration for you. And that was in uh, 2013. So this is the movie that most people would know your name from. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's um, it's one of the most successful uh, motorcycle documentaries out there in telling a real story. It's award winning um, and it started its own sort of a social, um, you know, connection. Uh, and I know that fam you mentioned family in this description. That's a big part of you. So um, how do you think uh, that film is relating to our industry right now? And um, and has the industry changed since the release or is the story still kind of the same or looking for another expression out there? Um I think it's it's definitely changed. I think there's also kind of a new thing. There's pre-COVID and post-COVID now. Mm -hmm. But starting with pre-COVID, um, everything in my life starts with why. And that's why when we um, went and made, it was funny because I why we fight, I learned about later on. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. But everything starts with why. And I believe you have to be very bold. And when we were making why we ride, um, things that became very apparent to me is the why must be known. Um, I always like to do two lists. One is called what it is and what it isn't. And when I started Why We Ride, it's like, and you'll find when you do the what it is and what it what it isn't, um, and I do this in all aspects of my life, what it isn't actually you usually ends up only being four or five things on that list. And most of it's very, um, uh, they're verbs, they're very uh, directional or things, where what it is when you do that ends up being 30, 40, 50 different things, and it's mostly emotional and feelings. Um, mm. Like, you know, when I my what it is list was like, you know, uh, fire in your belly, 
um, you know, sleepless nights waiting to get up and get on your bike. It was like, it was all these emotional things, uh, laughing, uh, spending time with my friends. What it isn't was actually kind of like at my time, which is one of the reasons I made it was, uh, 1%. It wasn't, it was about the other 99. It was Mm -hmm. what it wasn't was, uh, uh, sons of anarchy. Although it was a good movie. It was, it wasn't what that I didn't want to portray that actually funny enough. One of the greatest, you know, I, I even had, on there and it wasn't anything ditching on on any sunday the reason i had that on there in parentheses was there was no women in on any sunday and i mm-hmm. wanted to really show and you know again different times so i'm not ditching on the movies one of the greatest one of the motorcycle movies ever but there was no women and i was like there what it this is not what it isn't and that's why it was so important to me for women and families to be involved in why we ride and that was that helped me show what was missing and what those things weren't missing and the main thing that was miss, that was missing, which is what turned into this, is don't talk to the audience, share with the audience. And that's what Why You Ride was. There are no lower thirds. Uh, Kenny, greatest racer ever, Kenny Roberts, is just as good as little Malcolm, who is the little kid riding. It's about sharing. And Why We Ride was about, I want to share this through 73 different interviews. And if you read this, you'd think it was one person talking because every interview pretty much said the same thing. And it was about sharing. And that's the only way I can get you the power of using the power system and sharing with you, not telling you that's how we were able to get such a huge over, you know, almost a million people following us on social media. And the biggest thing I say this is the biggest credit I have is moms. That was the biggest surprise that came out of this is moms coming out of the theater saying, uh, cause I learned whether you ride or whether you don't ride is not dad, it's mom. That's right. how a kid learns. It's, it's because, and most of the time, it's not because of the motorcycle. It's because mom's looking for a way for the family to share things together. Hundred percent. Yeah. And that was the power. Was there was the moms that came out of there saying, and even moms said, you know, I'm not really into motorcycles, but we have a boat. We don't use it. We're going to start using our boat because it was something that allowed the family to come and share. I think that that is absolutely one of the key things. Um, I can almost hear Kelly scribbling notes in the background. I know how she works. But the uh, um, uh, on the Give a Shift program that I did uh, three years ago now, this month, I think, um, one of the key takeaways was if mom rides, the kids will ride. And that was that was just a huge thing. Like we know that moms, by and large, are gateway to all kinds of uh, awesomeness, and um, and female ridership has been growing. So getting back to Kelly, um, ride wild. You're expanding your influence not only to uh, motorcycling, but into uh, maybe some adventure lifestyle type stuff, and but always sort of female focused. Um, gatherings and assisting other female focused organizations. So tell us um, a little bit more if you you already said that you know um, treating women as uh, sort of an average audience is a huge failure. but would you dive a little bit deeper and tell us about the the events and what kind of riders participate in your events? Yeah, sure. Um... So let me start here. When it came to Ride Wild, you know, we were really grounded and founded on motorcycles. And really, that was kind of the common thread with every woman who came to our events, right? They were either motorcycle riders or they were enthusiasts and they wanted to get on and ride. And as we've grown and developed, we've really realized, like, not only 
you know, is this network of women very diverse, but a lot of the women who ride motorcycles also ride other power sport vehicles. And we realized that, you know, there is this huge group of women who ride other machines, who do other action sports, who are these outdoor lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know, amazing people who want to get into motorcycles. They just didn't really have the right invitation or avenue. And so one of the things we've done with Ride Wild was, you know, we, we of course, um, you know, look to motorcyclists to keep being part of our tribe, but we've also really opened up a new area to invite more power sport riders or, you know, action sport people or just adventure enthusiasts, right, to come into our platform. So, you know, curating events that are, you know, a little bit more focused on getting off-road riders, you know, onto motorcycles, getting our snowmobilers out on motorcycles, right? Kind of like touching into these people who are already in power sports, but inviting them into um, the motorcycle community. And uh, I think one of the other avenues that I've seen happen when it comes to the diversity of women is that, you know, women really come in all different kinds of, um, all different kinds of backgrounds, right? And like I was mentioning before that, that attitude of just, um, you know, women only wear pink, right? Really just isn't applicable anymore. You now have women who, you know, they're not only mothers, but they're small business owners. They are motorcyclists. They run a nonprofit organization. I mean, they have like 10 different, you know, labels or names or hats that they wear. And I think it's become really important for, you know, us, especially as like community, um, you know, community organizers to realize that, you know, women wear so many hats and it's really important to expand the invitation, not only to women motorcycle riders, right. But really to try and, you know, invite those women who are also, like I said, small business owners, power sport enthusiasts, backpackers, um, you know, really touching into the people who want to come be a part of it. They just really haven't had that right invitation. Right. So you built you built a, an amazingly strong community. I actually got to visit it a little bit at Sturgis this this last year, and I've, and I've seen the impact on that in prior years. It, you know, we're in a COVID era now, and events are chopped way down. Obviously, how are you? And this is this is a lesson that you know whether it's a dealer or a brand manager out there can take away from this. But um, with that rapid acceleration of your community, how are you um, staying connected with them? Is th- has that been more of a struggle or has it actually been easier given our current situation? You know, honestly, I feel like COVID has sort of been a, like a, a silver lining for us in a way. Um, of course, you know, we've definitely felt the, the downside of not being able to host our bigger events, but I think with any successful business you know you have to be able to adjust and you really have to be palatable and you know one of the things we looked at when COVID kind of came around and hit us really hard was like okay how do we adjust you know how can we our partners what they want to be doing I mean you know we we really asked those questions of like okay well we we have a purpose here and you know we're we're willing to change what we do right even if we can't be hosting our big events so you know, we look to our partners to help us develop what we call tribe events. And they're really these small grassroots activations that we've been hosting all over the nation where we, we bring together a small group of 
women, um, you know, in the name of power sports and outdoor adventure. And uh, really the idea behind it was to, you know, have a, a safe space where, you know, we wouldn't be necessarily feeling the effects of COVID, but we're still being able to, you know, achieve that, that purpose of, you know, bringing more women into power sports and continuing to encourage new ridership and, you know, just within the last few months that we've implemented those tribe events, you know, we had one in Oregon, we've had one in Minnesota, another one in Milwaukee, we just had one in Wyoming this weekend, and women are coming, you know, and we're getting a lot of <laughs> guys who are like, hey, can we come too? You know, so people are still wanting to gather and be a part of this community and ride, but they just aren't able to go to these bigger events. So we've had to adjust and host smaller ones and they've been a pretty great success for us so far, fortunately. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And Brian, you, you've expanded why we ride and that you, you had that audience of, you know, a million odd people, as you, as you had mentioned, uh, but you expanded uh, why we ride the movie into uh, motivational um, and, uh, and, and you're hosting some of your own rides, some of which I've been lucky enough to participate with. So, um, talk to us a little bit about motivational and how, how community spurred even further activism on your part. Well, you know, one of the, probably the, uh, biggest surprises we got from why we ride was this huge social group. You know, all we did is started a Facebook page, putting up a positive meme every day and it exploded to up over 800,000. And then we did the same with Instagram. So we said, We've been given a gift here. Let's do something with this. And we started um, hosting these rides originally for uh, Joe, who was my assistant editor, who, who had been fighting brain cancer since he was a child and passed on after our movie was finished. So we kind of saw the writing on the wall and said, let's start a, a ride again within our Why We Ride boundaries, which is about family, friends. My family's going to help run it. My, you know, my wife and the kids are running the water around. My mom, who was a wedding and events planner for 40 years, coordinates it for us. And let's do this for charity. And that one, in five years, we went from 17 people, which was the first year you came on it, to we had to limit it to 100 people now. And that one ride now raised $26,000 for the, the last time we did that. So it turned into where we had to become a full nonprofit, which we are now under motivational and our and we really were a moto family that's just inspired to ride, educate, and give. And we are now expanding that um, to go beyond this. Next, we scouted this year. Uh, next year, we'll start why we ride to the chip, which was supposed to be this year. Um, that's going to be a ride again from here to uh, Sturgis. That is, again is we're looking for our moto family and who will be on that. It'll be a little bit different kind of a ride. Again, it'll be very VIP which is what we are, we, that's what really has helped with our rides. Probably half the people on our ride are couples, which we love. We really created a, a nice place for those um, and women. And that ride to the chip is, again, I always look at like, let's go into the lion's den. What should this charity be? And I knew it was going to be for some kind of a women's cause. And that one we're looking for uh, will probably be for uh, trafficking, which is another one of those dark things people don't talk about, but it's, it's still a huge problem. And it's one of the things that, again, I like to go right to the, you know, right into the lion's den about what is, how can we do our most help with the wire ride to the chip and the wire ride to Sturgis? Because it's, our ride has always been, and our charity is about accessibility. And it's, it's, because that's one thing I learned in when I was making wire ride is the key to new riders is accessibility and the comfort level of that. And that's how motivational 
dot org is expanding and that's what we're using is that is always looking at you know what is accessible and then kind of our purpose behind it is you know my mother's greek so there's kind of this old this greek term that was like when you go and eat out with a bunch of friends or new people you know you would always when you ask how was dinner you know it was you'd always say don't tell me what you ate tell me about who you ate with and that's mm. really what our ride is about is don't tell me what you rode you want to talk about a little bit where you rode tell me about who you met on the right and tell me about those people. And that's kind of always the journey here is, is your job in these three, four days ride is to meet and learn as much about those other people. Cause the key to accessibility is the motorcycle is the great equalizer. We can throw politics and all that stuff out because we have something in common and that gives us a big weight lift off your shoulder and something we can talk about and learn about each other's families and their stories. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you guys both share a rider in our friend uh, uh, Sam, Samantha Morgan, right? Uh, and uh, that's which is amazing that she's sort of independently, you know, hung out with both of you guys. But um, uh, Kelly, she's part of your tribe, right? I'm not taking her away yeah. from you, Brian, but uh, she's she's part of <laughs> Kelly's tribe, right? And um, and there are there are sort of there's this sense of uh, people who get it when they come to either one of your events. So can you speak a little bit to like brands inside the motorcycle industry that sort of get it and and have a better connection with female ridership, Kelly? Is that something that we can learn from and, and, and think about? Which brands come to mind that sort of are making sense for female ridership? Yeah, gosh, that's such a great question. I mean, I think first thing, Foremost, you have, you know, the for women by women platforms, right, that have really been awesome in developing, you know, the women's platform, like the Babes Right Out or um, the Dream Roll or, you know, certain companies like Stellar Moto Brand or At Wild, um, you know, so there are a lot of like women run and owned businesses that are really leading the way with that. But when it comes to, you know, some of these companies and OEMs, um, Honestly, Polaris really sings that to me just because I've personally been able to work with their teams on developing initiatives for women, and they have just been so receptive and authentic when it comes to really wanting to. You know, I think some other brands as well. I mean, IMS has also been. I mean, every year that I've gone to IMS, and, you know, one year I worked with Ducati at the IMS shows. I mean, you can really see, you know, someone just like IMS who's, you know, really looking be more inviting to women. And honestly, Robert, there are probably like 20 more brands I could list off in my mind, but those two in particular really sing to me. And yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And and so the, you know, Brian mentioned that, you know, some of the motivational events, there's more couples riding. And then you mentioned that, you know, at your events, there's guys putting their hands up going like, hey, I'd like to ride. <laughs> so, you know, is but you know, and I, I imagine like some guy hiding in the corner of the bar. What's that? Women's motorcycle ride? Heck yeah, I'm in on that, right? So that that creeper. Uh, but I think that in in actuality, you're you're seeing more of that couples riding, and I think sort of demographically, you skew younger on your event. So are you seeing like couples riding being a thing for for younger people at your events as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love men and I am, you know, I just happened to put on women's events 
because I've, you know, I personally believe that women have been the secret sauce to this industry. I mean, if you get one woman coming to an event, she's likely going to bring her boyfriend and a couple other dude friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been fortunate to help produce some other events as well. Um, you know, like work with Roland Sands and some of his events or, you know, I've worked out in Tennessee at um, a local event out there at Loretta Lynn's ranch. And what I, you know, what I've really come to see is it's, again, it's, I'm, my platform ride wild right like we aim to support women but really the bigger picture here is just like what brian said it's really about the family it's about getting more kids into mm-hmm. you know this world that we love the most and we are really seeing a lot of a lot of partnerships a lot of couples you know coming to our events i mean even at surges for example at the buffalo chip we have a bunch of women who come to our event and They'll participate in our event and then they'll go, you know, sleep at the camper with their husband or something like that. Um, so in with a lot of, you know, these women's events we host, you know, whether they're a ride, you're seeing these really wonderful men complement this experience and want to be a part of supporting this ever-growing woman. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely happening. You're seeing these couples rides or, you know, just these co-ed events also really build and Mm -hmm. I think that that's a wonderful thing to definitely take a note of when it comes to you know the industry as well right Brian uh Brian for you what do you think um you know you've got an interesting perspective not necessarily being you know living in power sports world the whole time whatever that means uh but uh from your perspective which I think is more consumer driven um, what's the biggest thing that the power sports industry can do to increase retention of existing riders? Um, I think it's, I'm going to use, there's a couple of things and it's things I've said earlier. I think, uh, let the accessibility has, has always been a very important thing for that is people know it's accessible. It's not an elite group. It's not this small little group. You can join it. Um, I think it's, and that really comes down to, not trying to sell a motorcycle, try to sell the family, try to sell what the experience is. Um, you you gotta remember, you meet the nicest people on a Honda, those magazine articles were not just in motorcycle magazines, they were in every magazine, right? It really was about creating that um, that world of, hey, come check this out. It's yes, the, you know, the motorcycle will end up being the hub, but it, it is that, that family. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the dealerships themselves too, I think, um, really laying down, sitting down and say, what it is, what are we selling and what are we not selling? What really is it that we're selling? Um, and really talk about the stories and and get that. I think the small dealerships have a huge advantage here because I, as a kid and still to this day, we hang out at the small dealerships. We go there. I would love to see some women salesmen there. I think that would be really cool because it wouldn't be so intimidating at times. I think I would love to see more family events, not Yamaha Day or Honda Day. It's like, hey, motorcycle family day where every kid can come in and we got some little putt-putts or something right around on that. I also think like I've you know started this, uh, I started a side business doing small commercials, independent commercials for brands that can help the motorcycle industry. And one we just did was called easyriderdemo.com. And when I saw this, I'm like, the first thing I thought of was women. I'm like, oh, here's a way to go to a dealership and test ride a motorcycle and not have some guy following you around, not have a you know 15 minute ride. You sign up for this ride all online. It's you know, you go, you get the keys, you have a one hour ride. And 
I just saw this as like, this helps. It makes it more accessible for people without the intimidation. And part of the thing too was cross, like, I, you know, you know cross pollination on all those things. I had Gigi, uh, you know, Ginger, we used her clothes, Gigi Montrose, because she's taken this approach of, I'm designing first, then making it motorcycle safe second. And she put a story behind it, which is I'm using Kevlar, which by the way, was invented by a woman. You know what I mean? So it's adding those extra little things that give it a story, accessibility, and it's easy to come in and you feel like you're part of it. And that those are kind of the, you know, I think at the top of my list would still be, I think we need a lot more women in these dealerships too, just so we have somebody to talk to, to share the experience, not try to tell me about a motorcycle, share it with me, share what the experience is, what can I gain out of it? I'm not, you know, don't just try to sell me something. Yeah. Oh, so you you already jumped the shark on this one. This is awesome because the question that I ask all of our guests at the end of these podcasts is, um, I'll call it the closing time, one last call for <laughs> alcohol, right? You know, uh, <laughs> is uh, if you were in front of the entire motorcycle industry, which would mean there would be no alcohol left at that party, by the way. But uh, <laughs> but if you're in front of the entire motorcycle industry and you only had a couple of minutes to speak. I think, Brian, you've already answered this question. Kelly, I'm gonna put it on you. If you had a couple of minutes to speak to everybody in the motorcycle industry at the same time and give them your message, what would that be? I love this question, Robert. It's so good. Oh, what a brainstorming one. Um, I think what I would say is that real change starts from within. And when it comes to dealers and the retail network, I really would advise each of them to look within and take an honest look at how supportive and how inclusive they've been to not only female riders and enthusiasts, but also families as well. And what I mean by take a look within is ask yourself those questions. Do you have female employees? Do you host any women's specific events? Do you know the local riding groups in your area, especially the women's ones? You know, how are you connecting with those women or, you know, these families who come into your dealership? I mean, I really think it takes looking within and answering those questions honestly. And, you know, once you do address those questions, if you're already doing those things, um, you know, thumbs up, all the power to you. And if you're not, you know, follow up that talk with a walk. And, you know, if you aren't doing anything women specific or if you don't have female employees, I mean, it's, I think it's really time to wake up and hop on board, you know, and, um, you know, with that being said, if any of the dealers or retail network who are listening to this have questions or want to develop that kind of women's program, I mean, please message me or my team at Rad Wild. I mean, we would love to sit down and build that out with you because it's really important. And, you know, where we were is not where we're going. And at this point in time, I think it's really really important for all of us in this industry to really look at you know not only what are what do we value and who have we become but who are we becoming and who do we want to be right and I think being more inclusive is really where that you know where that path is leading so that's where okay. I would ask that's where real trying starts from within ask yourself the questions and do something about it there you go. And that is how you transmit goosebumps from the middle of Wyoming into the middle of Texas. What an awesome answer. I got to thank both of our guests today. 
uh, Kelly Yazdi, owner, visionary for uh, the Ride Wild Collective, and Brian Carroll, director of the amazing film Why We Ride and motivational uh, charity events. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you're in the industry and you're not following Kelly Yazdi on Instagram and not connecting with the Ride Wild Collective and her awesome team, special shout out to our friend Rachel, you must have just started in this industry yesterday. Seriously, get on it. And if you have not seen why we ride, because you think you know it all already, just carve out a big old slice of humble pie to go with the popcorn and enjoy this fantastic movie, Why We Ride. Uh, then if you are in the industry, step up and sponsor a, a motivational event. I have a prediction that Kelly and Brian are gonna co-produce one of the most amazing events on the face of motorcycling sometime within the next three years. It's gonna be dripping with the feels. It's gonna be amazing. Um, that's my prediction, so mark my word. Uh, the upcoming IMS e-newsletter is coming to an inbox near you and it's gonna feature articles that dive deeper into our discussed topics. To subscribe, check out continuetheride.com. Don't forget to follow the Motorcycle Shows on all our social media platforms, including LinkedIn. Uh, remember soon that all the Elvises We'll leave the building and we are going outside with the upcoming IMS outdoor schedule that's going to be announced in the next few weeks. Kelly and Brian, thank you for a fantastic conversation. This has been Center Stand, the motorcycle industry podcast. 